Kingdom commitment, we've been going through, basically we structured this after Acts 1-8 when Jesus meets with the disciples and he gives them this commission and he says, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And uh, Jesus tells us we're, we're going to spread the gospel. We're going to tell people about him everywhere. And our missions, uh, that's, we're on mission. That's what we do. And so we've structured this series to talk about how we're we doing that. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how to the ends of the earth, our international missions that we've, uh, we support and we're part of. And then last week, we talked about regional ones, our Samaria and our Judea. And uh, today, we could talk about our Jerusalem. And that is the Estes Valley. And uh, as we go into that, you can see there is, there is Jerusalem right there. Um, that was the Jerusalem that Jesus was talking about. That was the place that uh, all of the, the disciples, this is where their home base was for uh, the gospel as it first started. And you can tell when Jesus gave this, this story, he talks about your neighbor. And I think oftentimes when Jesus talks about neighbors, we often think about uh, it just means to love anyone because it's Samaritan. We see Samaria is not necessarily their neighbors, but kind of far up and they weren't necessarily loved. And when he gives this, this story, we oftentimes say, well, then our neighbor is anybody, which is true. That our neighbor is a person that, that we show compassion to, mercy to. But I think also we need to realize that sometimes our neighbors are actually our neighbors. And when Jesus said we're going to spread the gospel in, in Jerusalem, that was the hardest place in the world to spread the gospel, especially right then, uh, because they just killed Jesus. I mean, he remembered that. It was like a month ago, and, and he remembered, you guys killed me. And he knew that the people there were the very same ones that were saying, crucify him. And Jesus said, you know, we're going to start the gospel here. And I think oftentimes it's our own hometowns that is the most difficult for us to wrap our brains around that this is a place that we need to evangelize. But we are well aware of that and we are well engaged into the evangelism of this, of this community. But uh, what we want to do, though, is take a look at the context of that parable that Jesus told. And so obviously the context is Jesus talks about uh, somebody tries to trap him. And they say, what are the most important commandments? And Jesus said, well, love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second is like it, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the man says, trying to justify his own actions, says, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, uh, it says right there, try to direct, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with this story. I love this. He says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits, stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and let him, left him half dead by the side of the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. The temple assistant walked, temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then the despised Samaritan came along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. I'll pay his, if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I am here. And Jesus asked, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? 
And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. This is our Jerusalem right here, roughly, in the world. And we look at that story, and we've heard that story many, many times in our lives. But I think sometimes we hear something so often that we fail to really, it doesn't soak in anymore, and we fail to see uh, what does it really mean for us. But if we look at that story, there are some some key things that Jesus is telling us. And I, I think the first is that loving God and loving our neighbors are inseparable commands. And he even brings out that, that uh, he says the context of the story is what are the greatest commandments? What are we supposed to live for? What is God supposed to be? The Holy Spirit is alive in our life, and he's making us more and more godlike in our character. What are some of the things that it should look like, right? How is he going to transform us? Well, we should become people that love God more and more with everything we are. And then Jesus says, and also like it, inseparable from it, is that we love our neighbors at least as much as we love ourselves. These two are, are interlinked. The man didn't ask where the top two commandments, but one cannot go without the other. In fact, James talks about this in his, in his book. James says, what does it profit anybody if you see somebody that's hungry and you say, hey, be well fed, and you don't do anything for him? What good is that? John, the Apostle John, writes in his epistle. He said, uh, brothers and sisters, let's not just say we love one another. Let's show it with our actions. You ought to see that we can't, as Christians, sit back and let the world fall apart and see the injustice and the pain and the suffering of this world and do nothing and then claim that we love God. In fact, it says in Scripture, how can we say that we love God whom we do not see if we don't love our brothers and sisters who we do see? You understand that we live in a, in a world, in a very specific place in this giant world with billions of people, but we live in a place where we see those people as individuals, and that is our neighborhood, that is our community, that is our town. Here, humanity isn't just numbers. Here, humanity are people that we love. Here, humanity is the person that I see that lives across the street from me, or the person I work next to. Or the people that I bump up next to at Safeway. These are real people with real lives, with real struggles and real doubts. And for us to love God should propel us to care for the needs of our neighbors. And that's why our neighbors, I think Jesus is showing us sometimes, are actually our neighbors. I think in that story, the thing that's so shocking isn't so much that the Samaritan, that despised Samaritan cares for this man, but that the priest and the temple worker, two religious people who have their lives dedicated to loving God, despise one of their own and leave him there for dead. That should shock us. But we don't want to be like that. Let's not be like the priest who would rather keep our holiness and walk to the side of the road so we won't become contaminated by another person's problem. Are we willing to be like God who took on flesh and got dirty for us? Can we enter into the pain and the suffering and the reality of the lives of the people around us? 
can we see that when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he actually meant our neighbors too? And can we live that way? That's the challenge. I think also Jesus shows us here that active mercy is our ministry to our community. The question was this, which one was the neighbor? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus replied, yes. Now go and do the same. The Christian's job in this world is not only to be salt in a wound. That's part of it. But it's to be healing. We're to be light and dark. In fact, we used to have a little banner that hung over there. It was a Matthew verse that says, Let your good deeds shine out before all men, your light shine, so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Christians ought to be known for our compassion, for our service, for our ministry, for our love, for our care. God loved us when we didn't deserve it. He, he came down and he lived amongst us while we insulted him. And he, for, he, he let go of all of his rights as God to walk amongst us and to meet our needs when we were unlovely. And then he says, follow me. And that means in our community, Christians should be the ones that are the first to love the unlovely. The first to go to those that it's uncomfortable to go to and care for. The grieving are hard people to love because they make us uncomfortable, but they need love. The desperate are hard people to love because oftentimes we have no idea how we can help their needs. They're overwhelming. And, and, and they don't have anything that they can offer us usually, but they're the ones that need love. And we're called to love them. You see, Christianity isn't about the country club. It's not about looking nice and feeling good and coming and having something that makes us, you know, can puff up our chests. It's about getting into the mud. This world is not what it's about. It's about going and serving and caring and bringing God's love to the darkest and the deepest places in this world so that his gospel can shine forth. We have to love those that are hard. And if we can love those that are difficult to love, how much more can we love those that are easy? And so as we look at our ministry in the Estes Valley, we have three ministries that we support uh, financially in the Estes Valley that are doing this. And we stand with them. The first is Crossroads. And the next is the Caring Pregnancy Center, which actually tomorrow is going to change their name. And we'll talk about this. And the third is the Hub. That's a, that's a youth group, a community-wide youth group reaching this community. And we'll talk about them each briefly. And the first one is Crossroads Ministry. And uh, Crossroads Ministry is an organization that started uh, in the 80s. There was a big flood that went right down through downtown. And uh, <laughs> I, I remember that day. It was blue sky. It was beautiful. Uh, my brother was born right after that. Um, and, and Lawn Lake broke, and it just wiped out downtown. And it was devastating. And 76 wasn't all that long before that. There was the big Thompson flood. And the community thought this was going to be the end of us financially. It was a big deal. And uh, Crossroads started with one church said, you know what? We're going to love our community despite the fact that we've been injured ourselves. And they started in Crossroads Ministry. And ever since then, it's been joined by all these other churches. And it's a Christian ministry. And uh, it goes and meets 
the material needs of people that, that are going through very difficult times. And they've expanded what they can do. During this most recent flood, phenomenal work uh, as far as being able to bring in lots of not just money, but match it to needs and serving people and caring for them in their darkest hours. But you know, the really amazing thing is uh, they don't just give people handouts. Uh, when you go into crossroads, they'd help you. They see you and they train you. They, they help you not just survive a difficult portion of your life, but they help you to recover in a stronger and a better way. They give counseling. They, they teach you how to budget. They do all kinds of things. So they meet the immediate need. And then they also meet deeper needs, more long-term. It's a phenomenal thing. There's a gentleman that's up there because uh, uh, we have a new director. And I'm going to get his name again because it's, it's, Dr., it's Reverend Dr. Tim McLemore. McLemore. And uh, yeah, and I have not met him yet. And I hope sometime that we will get him to come up to our church but, uh, uh, to visit. But uh, he's, uh, he's coming in from Texas. Uh, was uh, worked uh, all kinds of places uh, at a public affairs office at Perkins School of Theology in the Southern Methodist University. Uh, uh, apparently, is a man who has a great heart uh, for meeting people in the midst of dark places. But you know, more than that, you can see they have the food pantry. They do, they do uh, um, all these things. There's a lot of volunteers, folks from our church, who volunteer on board as well as the service. This is a place that we can go and actually care and meet the needs of, of some of the folks in our community and show them love at a very difficult time. Crossroads is a, an amazing ministry. And you know what? Something that's really cool about this is I have friends that are pastors of churches all over the country. Most communities don't have something like this that are uh, communities our size. And what will happen is somebody will have a difficult time and they'll go to the individual churches. And I will tell you, I love our church and we're a very generous and a very good church, but we're not able to meet all of the needs in this community. And what this does is allowing us and all of the other churches to pool our resources together and we have, can hire on staff so we're not just meeting, we're not just handing out things. We're actually able to serve other people. This is a phenomenal ministry, and we're very blessed to have it in our community. The next one that we support is uh, the Caring Pregnancy Center, which tomorrow is actually going to be changing over to Life Choices. And uh, Caring Pregnancy Center has been here for several decades, and uh, Life Choices was started by the same, uh, actually, lady, uh, and it uh, was down in, in uh, the valley. And they have five uh, life choices groups now. And the reason that they're doing this, they're going to be joining together, is uh, that life choices has uh, taken this model of, of how to, the Caring Pregnancy Center and, and has really done a great job of being able to, uh, one, meet all of the, the laws. There's a lot of groups out there right now that are very opposed to uh, life choices, which is about helping. It's not just... Uh, troubled pregnancies. It's not about crisis pregnancies. It's about the family. And uh, obviously, they, they stand opposed to abortion, but their thing is about helping people and helping these families. And, and uh, there's a lot of organizations that go out and they'll shop these things and look for some little law or some, not, sometimes it's not even that, but they can do to close uh, pregnancy centers down. And they're very effective at this. And Life Choice has done a really good job by 
making sure that they have very good policies and procedures and be able to run things a certain way to make sure that they're able to, be, to shield ourselves from those that would attack uh, organizations like this. And not only that, uh, but then they are able to, to provide better services. Most life choices are now, they upgrade them, uh, know how to upgrade the centers to medical clinics. And that's a phenomenal thing. Um, and so uh, one of the things that they have is a, is a mobile ultrasound, which we've been working, uh, Life Choices let us borrow for, for quite some time now. It comes up here, and that's been a phenomenal thing. Uh, another thing that Life Choices does uh, has helped train the staff at the Caring Pregnancy Center, not just so that they don't get in trouble legally, but that they're able to meet the needs of these young women and families in, in a better way. And uh, they'll have better answers. They'll know what kind of resources are out there. They have got it's really, really good. So uh, that's one of the things that they've done. Life Choices also has created a curriculum that they teach in the public schools for um, purity education, for sex ed. And uh, they are able to go into the schools and they're able to teach this. And every year there's always a lawsuit against them. Somebody, some, I, I, I kid you not, I even had this at youth group one time when I was talking about purity. And parents get very upset with you teaching purity to their kids. It's, it's the weirdest thing in the world we live in. But every year there's a lawsuit, and every year they win um, because it's not against the law to teach kids that, that you, know, you don't have to sleep around before you're married and that there's a smarter way to do things. That really isn't against the law. Um, and, and even if it was, we would. But there's something else that Life Choices does that is, is phenomenal. is It's the after-abortion care. And uh, it's, they're not an anti-abortion clinic. They're a pro-human clinic. And uh, so many women in our country have gone through abortions. So many. And the scars from that, and not just women, men uh, also, there are scars that linger for a long time. And Christ was there to heal and to give grace and forgiveness and care. And one of the things that Life Choices has done is found really incredible uh, training and teaching how to help women and men recover from abortion and so that they can accept the grace and love of God and they can recover and, uh, and live the rest of their life uh, healed from these scars. It's an amazing thing. And so we're very excited about this, uh, uh, this merging. It's a, it's a great thing. And so they're getting a new director. Um, once they merge tomorrow, the board in Estes will dissolve and two of the members, so there will always be two Estes Park people on the Board of Life Choices now. So they've included us into that. And so right now it's going to be uh, Dr. Da uh, David McCreary, which is, uh, he's going to be on there. And then, um, I can't remember, uh, some gal from the Southern Baptist Church is on the board of directors right now. And so there will always be two from Estes. They will, the big board does all the hiring and all those kinds of things. So some great things. And if you have questions about this whole thing, I encourage you, go down to, to Life Choices and talk to them about it. It's really a fascinating thing. But we are proud to have st stood with the Caring Pregnancy Center for many, many years and the great work that they do. And, and, uh, and we'll continue to stand with them. The next one is the Hub. The Hub is something of, of great joy for me. Um, I, for, for those of you who know me, know that unity in Christ is something that just beats at my very, it's, it's at a soul level. For me, I, I know that when Jesus, when he prayed for the church, that we would be one like he and the Father are one, he meant it. And, and for years, our church has led the way in working together with other churches for the cause of Christ. And it took about 20 years 
But finally, what we see now is a, a unity amongst the youth groups in the community of Estes Park. And, and they're coming together, the seven churches that, that um, are a part of this. We have kids from all of those youth groups coming together. They meet twice a week, once for middle school, which is the hub. Then there's the huddle, which is for high school students. And they're hearing the gospel. And they're learning about Jesus together, and, and it's amazing things. In fact, last Sunday, there was this, um, it just gives me shivers. Right? There, were, there were six, right, one, two, three, four, five, seven, uh, seven baptisms at the very first community-wide baptism service in Estes Park. You understand that this is going against centuries of, of division amongst Christ. And our children, our youth, are coming together, and they're finding the Lord. And it's just amazing. And so we are excited about what the Hub is doing. Not only that, now a fellowship of Christian athletes, which Scott Miller, he used to be at Rocky, has come up and he's um, running the whole region. They're meeting in the high schools and the middle school on a regular basis, and the gospel is being preached in the schools during the school day, which is amazing. Some of the students are praying out by the, the flagpole. When we talk about revival, you know, that word means that there was once life, and God is bringing life back. I think this is even bigger than that. I think you're finding vital. That there is a new life in our youth there's a move of the Spirit unlike anything we've ever seen before. And we get to support that. Because, you know, so many times kids we look at when they're not loved because they're teenagers are intimidating, a lot of adults think. I think they're awesome. But, so, but they, they don't tithe, right? And they take resources from churches and things like this. And, and they take time and they break things and they're loud and all this kind of stuff. And I think oftentimes we just overlook kids. Right? But God loves everybody. And he calls us to love the youth too. And I love it how the outreach that we're having in the Estes Valley covers everybody, including the youth. And God is doing amazing things. Amazing things. And so, how do you join in? That's, that's what we're doing here in our Jerusalem. Not only that, each of you are missionaries. I couldn't get enough slides to talk about each one of you and what you're doing in your jobs and places, but I know because I pray for you guys every week and when we talk and your ministry and what you are doing, we are reaching this valley for us as park. We say that we, we are disciples of Jesus, that build disciples of Jesus. We mean that. We're going to saturate this valley with the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's happening. But here's some ways that you can get in supporting these. The, the first is just like every week we've been talking about. You've got to learn and pray. You, your heart can't be where you have no idea what it's about. You can't be, oh, I love Crossroads Ministry. What does it do? I have no idea. <laughs> you have to learn about it. Now, we live in the same town as Crossroads. So go drive down and see it. Meet the director. Right? Learn about these ministries. See what's happening. Also, in our weekly updates, we always give updates of what's happening. But learn about these things. Then pray for them. Pray for them. Because the enemy of our spirit is real. And he does not want to have this valley reached. And he's not going to give it up lightly. And I tell you, the work is hard. Jesus said, look, the, the fields are white for the harvest. 
<laughs> right? But pray that the Lord will send workers. So pray that the Lord will send workers because our valley is still predominantly non-believers still. That will change. But we need to pray. So learn about these ministries and pray. Pray for them. Pray for their boards of directors. Pray for, the, for the, those that serve there, that they, that they do things in a Christ-like way, that God opens opportunities to share the gospel and not just services, and that they take advantage of it. Pray for them. Also, join the team. Last week, I was so thrilled. So many of you said, I would like to at least go to the first missions team meeting. Uh, that's, uh, the next one that's going to be June 14th. That's awesome. We'll send you emails. But I'm going to promote it once more because you never know. The missions team is, is a group that of, of faithful believers in our church that meet together once a month during first service. And they pray for, they learn about the different ministries, they talk about them, and they help direct and, and connect with them. And, and they do, it's an amazing work. And as far as time commitment, it's very small, but the impact that they have is massive. And if you say, you know, I don't have a ministry in the church right now. Maybe you're new with us. Maybe you've been here for a while and you're between ministries. This is a great place to serve. You'll get to know other people in the church, but you'll also get to know what we're doing in a very intimate and real way. It may be something that you can do to engage in the ministry and the mission to even gain a heart. Maybe your heart even isn't in missions yet. You feel like it should be. But you say, you know, I don't really, don't really care as much about missions as I know that I should. Join the missions team. Your heart will be there. Trust me. As you learn about what our missionaries are doing and stay up to date with them and pray for them, uh, it's an amazing thing. So maybe that's what you want to do is, is join the missions team third thing that you can do is volunteer. These ministries are here in Estes. You know, and they will work with you. They will train you and they will work with your schedule. But you can go and do an hour a month at Crossroads or two hours stocking shelves. You can do that. Or you can go to the CPC. You don't have to be a counselor. Maybe you would be a counselor. Maybe you have that kind of gifting and you want to meet with, with people. Or maybe you have different things. Maybe it's helping do the book work. Maybe it's cleaning up. Maybe it's maintaining their property. But you can, you can do that. It doesn't have to be a huge time commitment, but it can be. A, can you imagine if every one of, of us in our church did one hour once a month at these? They would have more volunteers than they would know what to do with. We can volunteer. Or how about the hub? You see the incredible work that's happening there? Not every volunteer for youth ministry are the people that hang out with the kids all the time. There is an enormous support staff. And I would say as a youth pastor that was, was in it for many years, the most valuable support staff were the faithful men and women who, would, who I would give lists of the kids to, and they would pray for these students. That was the most valuable of anybody else, and nobody ever saw them. But they were part of the team. Or those that would bring cookies and snacks would take that burden off for those that were willing to, to, to be chauffeurs and to drive things back and forth, you can help out with the hub. But one way we can do it is get involved. Volunteer. Go and serve. Amazing things. There's opportunities there. And the last one is obviously the kingdom commitment. We've been talking about this for several weeks, and we took our very first kingdom commitment offering this Sunday. But maybe you've been here, and uh, this is your first time hearing about it. This is what it's about. This is... If you, if you didn't have opportunity to drop in your kingdom commitment card before, take this home If you didn't, and pray about it. Say, God, how do you want me to financially engage in this? And let the mission team know so they can set a real and a, and a right budget so that we can know how we're going to support these ministries so we can tell them so that they can make plans accordingly. It really doesn't do them. It does them really bad if we tell them we're going to give them something and then we don't. That's the worst. 
But then it's also difficult for them if we say, well, we'll give you $5, and we end up giving them $50. Because then they, they could have prepared for what to do with that. And so we want to make sure that we're good stewards, and we want to do this in the smartest way possible, support these ministries. So if you haven't made your kingdom commitment, and you feel like, I want to join in with God, what God is doing in this, then let us know. I mean, take the, You can return this in next week. We'll take it, I promise. And, and we'll let the missions team know so they can set their budget. So... Uh, so join the kingdom commitment. That would be a, an incredible way you can also join in. So learn and pray about it. Join the team. Volunteer. And uh, the kingdom commitment. Now today, as we bring this series to a close, um, there are a couple of just practical things that you can do that are basically along those same lines. And it's on the back of your connection card. Um, some commitments that you can do this week. Things that are practical. So if you take your connection card out and flip it over, on the back side you'll see some things you can do. The first one is memorize Luke 10:36. Why? Because we need to realize, remember what Christ tells us about loving our neighbors. And having that verse as part of us reminds us about the mission that we're on. And it's not just what we're supposed to do as the mission, but this passage tells us how. How we're supposed to do it. How do we love others? Well, it has to do with mercy. It has to do with seeing others and caring for them. And uh, this is a powerful verse for us that keeps us in the right track. It's, it's a resetting of the compass, as it were. And maybe that's what you need to do. And, and it's not a verse that you're going to use at some argument or something. That somebody's going to debate you and you're going to say, well, Luke 10, 36. It's, no. This is something that you want to have as part of your very spirit. This is, a, this is a verse that you want to meditate on. You want to think about what is Jesus saying here? How does it apply to my life? Maybe this week you say, this is what I need to do. Is I need to spend some time with God's word in this and study it and memorize this so it becomes part of my, the DNA of my soul. Maybe that's the commitment you make. Or how about this? Pray for our local mission ministries. You know, this week, wouldn't it be awesome if the people of God in Estes Park took a week and prayed intently for our local ministries? Imagine what God would do. Pray for evangelism. Pray for, for provision. Pray for effectiveness. Pray for encouragement. Pray for our local ministries. Maybe that's what you'll do. And I encourage all of us to do that. How amazing will that be? Also, volunteer. Maybe it's something we've been talking about. You see three opportunities here in Estes Park. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to volunteer. And the best way if you check that, uh, if you want some help into how to volunteer, come talk to me. I will help you connect with the people that, that will help you get engaged. And you can try Try out different things. You say, but you know what? I have an extra hour a month or two hours a month I can, I can put into serving our community and loving our community. And maybe that's, that's the commitment you need to make today. Or how about this? Partner with our kingdom commitment. Maybe you haven't up to this point and you were wondering, what is this about? Well, you've seen three weeks where we've talked about what we're doing and the kingdom commitment. And, and I hope that you see from the text, this is not a Christian Church of Estes Park initiative. This is a Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, God the Father initiative. He sent us on a mission. He said, you're going to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. If we're going to be a faithful church, we have to be in line with God's mission. And if you want to join in that mission and what we're doing as a community, then, then do that. Uh, don't be afraid to commit. God fully committed to you. Don't be afraid to commit to, to his, his ministry and his mission. Or how about this? Maybe there's something else uh, that I didn't come up with. There's quite likely. If you have a different commitment to make, let me know. We're praying for you this week. If there's a different uh, decision or whatever on this, let us know about that. 
or if there's a prayer request. Um, we've seen God do miracles. In fact, you heard testimony today about miracles that God answers prayer because he is real and he loves us. He doesn't view us from a distance. He is, he is down here with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. And God cares for us and he wants us to talk to him. So if you have a prayer request, let us know. We'll be praying for you this week, with you this week, and we'll see what God can do. Now, here in just a minute, we'll take our offering. And as we do, uh, please drop your connection card in there. It's so helpful for us. Uh, we sure appreciate it. And uh, let this, your commitments here be an offering of your spirit to God as well. Let's pray for our offering now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love this world enough that you didn't just save Jerusalem or you didn't just save Samaria and Judea or you didn't just send the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth but forget the hometown. That your love is global. As Jesus said, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And Lord, we believe in him. And we know that we're not going to perish. But we also know that Christ didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And so, Father, let us be your agents. Let us continue the ministry and the mission that you sent us on. Let us be faithful as a church, as a congregation, as individual Christians. Let us be a missionary-minded church. Give us your heart for this community, Lord. And we pray, Lord, for, for Crossroads and, and for the new director, Dr. McElmore. I pray, Father, that you would gift that man, encourage him, give him your wisdom to, to lead that ministry in a righteous way, in a way that gives you glory and lifts others up in love. Father, we pray for the, the Caring Pregnancy Center, life choices they're becoming, and this transition. Father, I pray that, that you would glorify yourself through this and that you would bring your love to women and to families in the midst of, of darkness and crisis and you will show them hope and purpose and healing and help. And Father, we pray for the hub. Thank you for what you're doing there. Bind that group in unity. Grow it strong, Father. I pray even more students would come and would come to know you. And for those who were just baptized, we celebrate with you. And Father, we pray that they would grow strong in faith and they would connect to the local churches. And Lord, that you would make disciples that would make disciples. And Father, as a church, help us to be in lockstep with you. Let us be your missionaries here in Estes. Now, Lord, take these commitments, take these offerings and these tithes, and we ask that they would be pleasing to you and that you would use them greatly for, for your good kingdom, your good work. We ask in Jesus' name.